Back to Washington from an eight-day European trip comes Secretary of State Dean Acheson. His return produces a presidential welcome and a wifely kiss, but no information about the decisions made at the Big Three Foreign Ministers' two-day Paris conference. Best guesses are that dismantling of Germany's non-war factories will be slowed down and that Western Germany will be admitted to the Council of Europe. That night, the president pledges to the National Council of Negro Women and its retiring president, Mrs. Mary McLeod Bethune, fulfillment of his civil rights program. Mrs. Bethune presents Dr. Ralph Bunch, UN mediator in Palestine, with the council's citation of honor. A citation also goes to India's Madam Pandit, who, like Mrs. Bethune, has devoted her life to the welfare of all her nation's people. Next day, Mr. Truman goes to the National Airport to welcome His Imperial Majesty Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi, Shah of Iran. He's the first Oriental potentate ever to come to America on a state visit, and Washington turns on its warmest charm. Here for a month, the 30-year-old ruler, whose oil-rich country borders on Russia, is expected to ask U.S. arms against threats of Soviet aggression. The Air Force unveils its XB-51, the first three-jet bomber. Jets one and two are mounted beneath the cockpit. Jet number three is in the tail. Built by Glenn Martin, it carries along a parachute to aid in checking its speed when it comes in for a landing. Now the XB-51, which was designed to support ground forces, takes off for its first flight. design of this triple jet bomber indicates that it will probably operate at speeds beyond 600 miles an hour. The XB-51 sets down gracefully while the parachute unfurls behind. It's a new and powerful addition to America's air fleet. The Navy unveils the Loon, a buzz bomb launched from a submarine. The launching apparatus on the sub's deck is surprisingly light. Now in rough seas off Hawaii, the first bomb, assisted by a rocket, hurtles into space. The strong wind tips the flying missile and it crashes into the sea. On a second sub, another loon is made ready. Everyone watches tensely. Then there it goes. When maximum speed is reached, the loon is detached from the rocket and continues on its way. With this weapon, a submarine can hit large targets over a hundred miles away. The airlines unveil a surprise. Yes, it's an airborne baby girl who first saw light over the Atlantic. The pilot holds the infant while the stewardess who helped deliver it beams. Mother is doing fine. Born of Polish DP parents on a Scandinavian airliner between Scotland and America, this baby's an international blessed event. Associated Artists' Galleries, famous amateur painters like opera star Lawrence Melchior display their talents. Mr. Melchior calls his creation Rickshaw Boy. Winston Churchill painted this North African lake. Baseball's Joe DiMaggio proves he's handy with a brush, too, as does another champion, Joe Lewis. The much-investigated General Vaughn called his entry the path of investigation. Mary Pickford and Buddy Rogers are both represented in the show, which, sponsored by the National Urban League for Welfare Work, is more than art for art, it's art for charity.
New York's young set, dressed in the latest for winter, gathers at the Bronx Zoo's wishing seat. Renee, whose nylon snowsuit is washable, wishes for a pond full of ducks, and then wishes she hadn't. Nicole, in a snowsuit of poplin, wishes she could visit Noah's Ark. When her wish comes true, she makes friends with some young members of the animal kingdom who, like she, are also fashionably dressed for winter. Now it's Diane's turn on the wishing seat. She wants to get somebody's goat. Her outfit's a Bambury coat of broadcloth with velvet ascot and cuffs and a matching velvet-trimmed hat. Diane thinks it's dandy and so does the goat. And you can't blame the goat for liking it. After all, it's meant for kids. There's something new under the Florida sun. It's the porpoise board. Turn it downward and you dive like a submarine. Turn it upward and you fly to the surface. Behind a speeding motorboat, this threesome at Silver Springs makes like a school of porpoises. fun as long as you remember to breathe while you're up. All you need is a board and a rudder for a ride on Father Neptune's roller coaster. Pro football takes over in Cleveland where the champion Browns meet the underdog Buffalo Bills. The opening kickoff sails down to the waiting arms of Buffalo's Chet Mutrin. 22,000 fans braving threatening skies see Chet tote the pigskin to his own 28 before he's pulled to earth. The Bills have the ball but they're not to have it long. George Raderman's first pass is intercepted by Tony Adamy, and Cleveland goes on the march. Doug Jones of the Browns shows that pro ball's not for sissies as he patterns his way to the three. The game's a little more than a minute old, but Otto Graham goes across, and Cleveland leads seven to nothing. It's still first quarter when Buffalo punts, and Cleveland's Cliff Lewis discovers he should have put glue on his fingers. Stotzenberger recovers for the Bills and the Browns 44. Ratterman heaves and finds his target with Neutron advancing to the 27th. The quarter changes, then Neutron gets a good grip on the ball and starts moving. He's stopped with the goal just six yards away. It's Neutron again, and he's going the distance. That's all the scoring. The Bills and Browns fight to a stalemate, 7-7. <laughs> Eisenhower helps dedicate the headquarters of the Freedoms Foundation, appropriately enough at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, close to the spot where George Washington and his men wrote their epic of sacrifice in Freedom's cause. For promoting the American way, the foundation this year honors 121 citizens. General Ike officiates as a Freedom capsule containing the winning documents is buried to remind other citizens a century hence of their American heritage. In Tokyo, Treasury Secretary John Snyder is welcomed to Japan by General MacArthur, who promptly honors his distinguished visitor with a parade. The Treasury Secretary has more than a passing interest in military parades. 
In fact, he's here not on financial matters, but to inspect the Pacific installations of the Treasury Department's own military arm, the Coast Guard. Halfway around the world in Ankara, Turkey, President Ismet Inonu also gets a look at American arms and equipment, material supplied under the Truman Program, as the Turkish Army, Navy, and Air Force celebrates the 26th anniversary of their republic. Around the world, American arms stand guard for freedom. The judge's flag signals the start of the world's championship apple packing contest at Yakima, Washington. The contestants are judged on the quality of their wrapping and packing and speed. Packing more than an apple a second for two solid hours calls for perfect coordination. Some girls make it look easy. Others have butterfingers, apple butterfingers. Spirit counts, and where there's a will, there's a way. Hey, not that way. The girls who hail from Oregon, Washington, and Canada sprint down the home stretch. The first prize money goes to Mrs. Irene Sears, the world's most polished apple packer. There's a lot doing in the animal kingdom. At Hereford, England, pets go to church. The Holy Trinity Cathedral, recalling the teachings of St. Francis of Assisi, legendary friend and protector of all animals, invites them to a special Noah's Ark service. There is no pet too insignificant to be admitted on this Animal Sunday. Inside, there are hundreds of animals, yet not one cat and dog fight, not one angry bark disturbs the hour of dedication. Of course, with animals as with humans, there's always somebody a little late. Over in Europe, a dog is making headlines as an acrobat, assisted by an eight-year-old boy. Fido takes a firm stance for his big act, then the youngster is placed on the dog's head. First, mother and dad of the Talata Troop steady the boy. Now, boy and dog are on their own. Fido's great balancing feat is making him the most talked about dog on the continent, and it doesn't even give him a headache. In France, where anything can happen, a barnyard becomes a fashion salon. Rover's face is just right for this example of the milliner's art. And here's a creation designed expressly for the horsey set. When Bossy and Susan got these darling numbers, they began turning out buttermilk. But really, Millicent. At his St. Albans, New York home, Brooklyn Dodger Jackie Robinson learns that the sports writers have voted him the most valuable player in the National League. There's a wifely kiss for Jackie, who led the league in batting and stolen bases. Son Jackie Jr. hears the news on his third birthday. The first member of his race to play in the majors makes good in a big way. Hazel Walker's Arkansas Travelers spruce up to take on the Kiwanis Club team in a charity match at Huntington, Indiana. The girls quickly prove they're as adept at handling that ball as they are at handling a lipstick. In this 
court battle of the sexes, the men seem to be getting the runaround. Now the Kiwanis team discovers that the female of the species is a more deadly shot than the male. When it comes to stepping around, it's hard to beat the ladies. They miss the basket this time, and the men take over, but not for long. No, Elmer, honey, you can't have the ball. The travelers pile up an imposing lead, while the Kiwanis find that chasing these girls doesn't pay off at all. Low bridge coming through. Remember when sports were for men? In New York, the Yanks come up against the Cleveland Browns and the powerful arm of Otto Graham. Here's the first of a long series of Graham passes as the Browns set out to clinch the All-America Conference Championship. This Graham heave is received by Max Speedy, who's to pull down 11 today for a conference record. Now with 23 yards to go, Graham sends the pigskin flying to Bill Bodecker, and Bill slashes over with the first Cleveland score. Graham grabs a record for himself. 69 passes completed without an interception. This Graham aerial sails to Speedy, and he goes all the way down to the one. Here's a closer view than even the referee gets as Marion Motley hurdles the line for a Brown TD. It's a sad day for the Yankees. They get marching at last as Gil Johnson lets go an aerial, but it's intercepted by Weldon Humble for the rampaging Cleveland team. Ready to chalk up the touchdown is that great team of Graham to Speedy. The Browns win the game and first place 31 to nothing. Ah! 